following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at 10.15 or check us out at DeeringChristian.org. Alright guys, um, summer is here. I don't know if you knew that or not. If, if you couldn't go outside and simply feel um, that it is summer, um, yes, it's summer. And unlike Olaf, okay, not all of us sing about summer. But there's many people who do. All right, and I applaud you. You're a tough individual. But summer brings with it many, many times is maybe it's a vacation. Maybe your vacation looks different than other people's vacation. Our vacation looks quite often through not just summer, but many times in summer is camping. And it's interesting to me, as, as, as I was working my way through this, we, we did a little bit of camping the end of this week with some of Donna's family um, just for a couple of days. And um, as we were preparing for that short little camping trip to Copan Lake, the big journey, you know, it it just kind of sunk into me the difference for Donna and myself in camping in 2018 and 2005. Actually, our first camping trip would be 2006 because we got married in 2005. And looking back to 2006 with a tent a truck, Coleman stove. I look back on it, and was it comfortable? No, not at all. Not at all. Not one bit. Was it complicated? No. You know, folks, to go on a two-day camping trip, you know how long it takes me to get ready for a two-day camping trip? Three and a half weeks. What has changed since 2006? The simple life is no longer simple. We're going to look at simple today. Ordinary saints, that's what we're tackling this summer. Um, We're we're using a lot of our information and our basic guidelines from, from Nathan Foster's book, The Making of an Ordinary Saint. And what we need to know about this is it's about spiritual disciplines, putting Things, for lack of a better word, to practice in our life, to not earn our way into heaven. That's impossible. Jesus is the only one who could pay that price. But to put these disciplines to practice in our life so we begin to look more and more like Jesus. Because Jesus was a master at these disciplines. And this is what we've looked at so far. Just a little bit of of refresher here. We looked at submission to begin with. JB brought that message and... The word that we use a little more often than submission is obedience. How, how much God desires obedience from his people. We looked at fasting. And fasting specifically is fasting in a biblical way. Food fasting. Fasting for food. Dedicating what the time I would spend eating or even the pain that's brought on by that. Because it will bring a, a measure of discomfort depending upon how long the fast lasts. But it will sharpen the focus on God. Um, Jesus did it. All right. Um, we looked at study, the importance of studying God's word, but also the importance of studying God's creation, the world around us, and learning from it. We talked about solitude, the, the importance of getting away sometimes. And actually, solitude goes a little bit hand-in-hand hand with what we're looking at today. Getting away, Jesus, by the way, also did that. 
I mean, he, he, he left his 12 closest followers who he spent a lot of time with in three years at times to go be alone with his father in prayer. Um, we looked at meditation and, and the importance of taking a step back at times in life, taking a real deep breath and, 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 and clearing the mind so that the mind and the spirit can not just be emptied, but then be filled by God and his presence. And then we looked at last week, confession. And I'm not talking about the confession of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm talking about the confession of sin and the freedom that can be found in that. Well, today what we're going to look at is simplicity. Simplicity. Jesus summed this up very, very well in near the end. It is actually kind of in the middle of a Sermon on the Mount, we would, we would find it in Matthew, the end of chapter 6, when he said this, Seek first my Father's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Hold that thought for a moment. We'll dig into that a little bit deeper here just in a moment. Just a second, though. Got a question for you, a couple questions. And there's no right or wrong answer here, okay? And, and I'll ask you to raise your hand, and, and we'll find out a little bit about who you are by when you raise your hand. There's only two choices. I'm going to give you that right off the bat, so you don't get to the end of two and say, well, you didn't tell me there were just two choices. I didn't get to vote. All right, just two. All right. No right or wrong answer here. How many of you would find the following scenario attractive? Four-mile-long driveway. Okay, that leads to a humble but nice cabin in the mountain valley. All right, not done yet. No phone, no media, just you and your loved ones. Okay, you are supplied but not over supplied. You have a daily list of chores or jobs to keep everything running smoothly and enough time to enjoy your family and the scenery on a daily basis. How many of you would find that scenario scenario attractive? Okay, got some hands up, got some hands up. All right, okay, put the hands down, put the hands down. This is scenario number two. An 8,600 square foot house with every creature comfort you could imagine. Perfect for hosting get-togethers with friends and family. A garage with your top three vehicles of choice. A game room that incredible pizza would be jealous of, uh, jealous of for your family and your friends and your kiddos. An Olympic-sized pool. A full-time maintenance man and housemaid. And a job you love with a paycheck you love even more. Okay, raise your hand if that's attractive. Oh, now we got the honest people raising their hands. Because the rest of you, I'm not raising my hand in church to that one, all right? I, I applaud you. I applaud you, honest, honest people, okay? I think if we were to be completely honest, we would find ourselves somewhere probably in the middle of those two scenarios. We long for the simple life, 
but we kind of ache for the luxurious, comfortable life. And perhaps you would find yourself right smack dab in the middle, maybe a little more towards this side, maybe a little towards that side. And in the midst of all of that, what does Jesus say? Seek first my Father's kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. By the way, the things Jesus was talking about can be boiled down to this. If you look to the verses previous to that in chapter 6 of Matthew, you will find clothing and sustenance. Those are the two things. Now, I don't think Jesus would mind too much adding shelter to that, all right? But it's pretty simple. There's something that we need to understand, and let's, let's dive into this conversation. There's something we need to understand. The simplicity we'll be discussing today begins on the inside, okay? It begins on the inside, We cannot allow simplicity to deteriorate into another soul-killing set of legalisms. You understand what I'm saying with that? Oh, you can't own that and be a follower of Jesus. You can't own that and live the simple life. It can't happen. Mm. It's a little different for everybody, the simple life. I'm just going to be completely honest with you. It is. Is the simple life in the United States of America probably looks a little bit different than the simple life in Kenya. It just does. And that's the nature of it. And we cannot say, oh, you can't have that, can't have that, can't have that. Because then what happens is we become hypocrites. <laughs> because even though we don't have it, we want it, you know. So understand that. What, what does simplicity require of us, though? Simplicity requires, in our culture, sacrifice. It does. But those sacrifices usually mean a higher, not a lower, a higher quality of life. Notice I don't say a higher standard of life, but a higher quality of life. How so? Well, this is how so, I believe. Understand this. Let's get, let's get real practical here just for a moment. I know you guys hate practicality, all right? Actually, you love it. So do I. So here you go. Reject any purchase that is more trouble than it's worth. Reject any purchase that's more trouble than it's worth. You know, um, I listen to the radio during election year. I probably listen to the radio more than other years, Okay. Um, but, but one of the best things I've heard on the radio had nothing to do with sports or politics. It was, it was actually a commercial. And, and this is, it wasn't a commercial selling anything. We'll talk about that in a moment. It was a public service type of commercial. And this is basically, and you've heard me, I, I've, I've talked about this in a sermon before quite a while back. So this won't be new information to many of you. But this is basically how a conversation, it was, it was I'm sure, to... Do you call them actors and actresses when you don't see them and they're on the radio? I don't know. That's a good question. Okay. Anyway, but, but the people, the, the actors or whatever, okay, this is what they're saying. One asks the other, ah, oh, I like your car. How much did it cost? And the person said, 
280 weeks. Well, how much did your house cost? 1,680 weeks. Weeks. Before we buy something, maybe we ought to be asking ourselves, is it really worth what it costs? Because in this life, what things cost is not money. It's what? Time. Time. Remember this. Let's stay practical here for a moment. Remember this. Before we buy something, let's think solely of usefulness rather than status. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, you're not preaching to me now, preacher. All right, because you see what I drive? (laughs) But I'm telling you, every one of us buys something at some time or another, and what crosses our mind before we lay down that money or that credit card is this. I wonder what so-and-so is going to think about this. Oh, I bet he's going to like this. He's going to be, he's going to think, oh, man, I wish I had one of those. And that purchase is being made for status rather than usefulness. Before we buy something, think solely of usefulness rather than status. How about this one? Reject any type of purchase that is producing an addiction in us. And guys, I'm not talking about an alcohol or drug thing or substance abuse type thing here. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an addiction is anything that can get between us and our relationship with our Father. And if that purchase is going to add fuel to that fire, we probably ought to reject that purchase. Guys, this is, this is not easy advice to follow in our society. Simply put, we live in a consumer-based society on steroids. Okay? Let me ask you a question. Where can you go in this life where somebody's not trying to sell you something? Commercials, ads on printed media as well as internet media, billboards. You can't even drive down the stinking road. I'm going to turn off the radio so I don't have to listen to it. And what do you see? Billboards, selling stuff. Even our getaways are commonly labeled what? Tourist? Anybody? Traps. Tourists, yeah, I heard somebody say attractions, and I heard somebody else say traps. I think I'm leaning a little more towards the trap side of it, all right? How in the world do we navigate a system that is built on freedom? I'm talking about our system, the good old United States. How do we navigate a system that is built on freedom, but also built on doing everything possible to separate us from the money in our hands? You know that if people in the United United States stopped buying stuff that they didn't need, that our economy would fall on its face in less than a week? Our, our, Our system is built on that. So how do we navigate it? Well, I'll tell you who had it down to a science. Turn to Philippians chapter 4. Some of you are smiling. You know where I'm going. Philippians chapter 4, Paul wrote this to the church in Philippi. By the way, it is the joy book of the Bible. Man, 
He couldn't, he could, he's fallen all over himself telling these people how, how much joy they gave him, how much he loved them, and how good they were doing in this journey to becoming more like Christ. But they weren't perfect. And in his letter to the Philippians, we find Philippians, what we call Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. What might quite possibly be the most misused verse in the entire Bible. All right? I can do all things through him, Christ, who gives me strength. I wonder how many coffee cups, bookmarks, posters, pins, oh my goodness, hats, shirts, you name it, that that verse has been written on. What I really wonder is how many of those cups, hats, shirts, pins, posters were verses 10 through 12 written on. Because Paul's not talking about winning a football game, completing a marathon, or even battling illness. He's talking about money. And see, the, the church in Philippi finally were given the opportunity to help Paul out. Paul was dependent upon the support of the churches. He was a tent maker and he worked hard at it. But I'll tell you what, he did a lot of traveling and traveling was not cheap. And he relied upon the generosity of his children in the Lord to help support him to continue to go to more cities and more regions and more places who had not yet heard the gospel of Jesus. And Philippi, the church there, had recently sent him a gift. And this is what he says. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. This is verse 10, Philippians 4.10. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now you have at last revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Look closely at verse 12. I know how to get along with humble means, and I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having an abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you've done well to share with me in my affliction. You yourselves know, No, Philippians, that at the first preaching of the gospel, after I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, but you alone. Paul goes on to talk more about this gift that they had given him. Paul had it down to a science. He said, I have learned the secret. You know what simplicity really amounts to? Being content. No matter what life throws at us, being content. When I have an abundance, being content. But when I don't have an abundance, being content. This is so much easier said than done. And that's why Paul follows that with this. 
I can do this by the power of Jesus Christ. Listen closely to this. This might be one of the more, after that verse right there, this might be quite possibly one of the most important things said this morning. We can only genuinely enjoy possessions without them destroying us when we are free to let them go and free to receive them. Let's look at that again. We can only genuinely enjoy possessions without them destroying us when we are free to let them go and free to receive them. Freely received, I like that, okay? It's awful easy to receive something. But I'll tell you what, giving it away, that's a little tougher. Is there anything that we have that we possess that we refuse to let go of? And I'm talking about material things here. Speaking of giving away, there is very little more soul-satisfying of an activity than helping somebody who's in need. Think about that for a moment, because everybody in this room has reached out to someone in need before and given freely to them. If you've never done that, you're not following the example of Jesus, and you are not allowing yourself to experience real joy. But I know the vast majority have experienced the joy that comes from giving to someone in need. And the Bible is full of instruction clearly telling us to help others, especially our brothers and sisters in Christ. They are our priority. But that doesn't allow us to simply ignore the needs of those around us in the world either. So simplicity has something to do with material possessions and money, but that's not where it ends. There's more to simplicity than the wallet. Okay? And this one's going to touch a little close to home. So listen. How many of us shoot text messages while waiting in the line at Walmart or at the drive-thru waiting to get your lunch? Be honest, raise your hand. Now notice I didn't say driving down the road. I said in the drive-thru at McDonald's. Got that? Okay. In Walmart? Waiting in line. Man, there's a long line here. Self-checkout. Busted. What good self-checkout when it's broke? Got a long line here. Better pull out the phone and start communicating. Because I've got to be here for 11 minutes. Life's just too precious to not communicate for 11 minutes. How many of us have more friends on Facebook than acquaintances in face-to-face life? You don't have to raise your hand on that one. How many people, now listen close to this, this is an important question. Let's say you're going to be phoneless for 10 days. 
What are you laughing at? Yeehaw. I thought you said ha-ha. There's a big difference between ha-ha and yeehaw. All right, I like yeehaw. Okay. Ten days without a phone. Here's the question. How many people are you going to have to inform before that ten days that you're going to be phoneless for ten days? Because they can't survive if I'm phoneless for 10 days. Because they need me. They need me. I'm that important. Okay? How many of us felt our hearts skip a beat at the thought of being without our phone for 10 days? <laughs> You're just kidding, right, preacher? Yeah. Seriously, how many of us feel the subtle pressure of having to be available to others way too much? You feel that? I hope you don't. Often it's a pressure we put on ourselves. They're not putting that pressure on us. I'm putting it on myself because I'm way too important to not be available to them. You ever been there? Let me give you a hint. You and I are not too important to not be available for a while. Simplicity is not an island away from the other spiritual disciplines. Simplicity is very closely connected, as I've already said, to solitude. There are times to set the phones down, set the tablets down, to set it all down. The temporary ruler of this world, and I'm not talking about God, okay? The temporary ruler of this world wants nothing more than to separate people from God. That's Satan's goal. It's not Satan's goal to make people miserable. Maybe that's the end game, but that's, that's, not, that, that's not the goal on a day-to-day basis. The goal is this, get them from God. I know you've heard this before. You've been in church your whole life. You've definitely heard this before. But, but Satan doesn't have to make us bad. We've got a pretty good handle on that ourselves without his help. Okay? Satan works really hard just to make people in this nation really, really busy. Kiss. What's it stand for? I'm not talking about Gene Simmons, okay? All right? Keep it simple. Okay, we're in church, people. It's keep it simple, silly. All right, I don't want my daughters getting after me after church. So whoever said stupid, repent and you'll be okay. Actually, that's not the way my dad used to say it. 
Keep it simple. Stupid. It's not easy to live the simple life in the world that we live in. To be a wise purchaser in a society that desperately wants us to not be a wise purchaser. To understand that contentedness. I mean, guys, I, I don't... To be content is hand in hand with being at peace. How many of us desire peace in this life? To understand contentedness is grounded sometimes in letting stuff go. We can do it with Jesus' help. I can, do, I can do that through Christ who strengthens me. The simple life. Keep it simple, stupid. How about this? To build personal joy rather than personal wealth by helping those in need. After all, before Jesus said that, 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 that whole thing about putting his father's kingdom first and his righteousness first and all these things will be added to you. Before he got to that part, he said this, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Is our treasure in a, in a bank account or setting in a garage or is our treasure in the lives of people around us. But sometime or another, we're in need. And they don't even know who helped. You just helped. And nobody knows about it but God. But you are in the process of building not personal wealth. You're in the business of building personal joy. That's a simple life. To understand that the devil doesn't need to make you and me bad. He just needs to make us busy. Too busy to focus on God. Too busy to focus on the people around us. Something we've got to understand, simplicity begins on the inside. It's interesting because, because the other spiritual disciplines that we've looked at up to this point are more like things you do you know, in, in, in alone time with God, whether meditation or, or, or study or, or we'll be looking at here in a couple of weeks, prayer. This, this simple life is, is wrapped and enclosed and enveloped in just daily living. And the choices that we make and the way we show love to people around us, it begins here. And once again, how did Jesus say it? 
He said, seek first my Father's kingdom. Seek my Father's righteousness. And all these things, they'll be added to you. It's all about priorities, folks. The simple life is making sure those priorities are in the correct order. Would you stand with me, please? We're going to pray. And when we're done praying, some music will come on. It'll be time for some of us to go. It'll be time for some of us to stay here and, and talk with people, which is great. But it might be time for, um, for you to come down here and, and speak with someone. Not that we're anybody special up here. Um, but because God might be speaking to you and you might need to tell somebody about it. And it might not have anything to do with what we looked at today. It might have everything with what we had to look at today. But I'm just going to ask those of you in the front third of this room to clear off in the back part of the room or out in the foyer or out in the gym, a lot of room out there, and take your conversations there so that giving an opportunity for those who need to come up. Sometimes those are pretty private moments. And we don't want to put any type of roadblock in the way of somebody coming down here. If the Lord's speaking to him or her.